0: Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org. You'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a
1: place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Kim. Hi, I'm Kim, I'm the host of Overeater, and your speaker for tonight.
0: Hi,
1: Thank you, Rod, for asking me to lead. Um, whenever I come into a room, an OA room, whether I'm traveling or it just happens that I don't know anybody, it reminds me of a story about when my son was little. He wanted to go to this camp, and all his friends were going, let's say Camp A, and all his friends were going to Camp B. And I said to him, No, but honey, all your friends are going to Camp B. He said, No, my friends are going to Camp A. I said, no, really, I checked with the mom, and all your friends are going to camp be. He said, no, my friends are going to be there. It's my friends I didn't meet yet. So I always feel like when I'm in a meeting, you're all my friends that I didn't meet yet. Um, So I'll start at the beginning, which seems like a very good place to start. I am a compulsive overeater through and through. Uh, My first memory of eating compulsively, I was four years old, like those kids out there. And... um, I know I was four because the big kids were outside playing, and they were in kindergarten. They were five, and I wasn't there yet. And I don't really remember what was happening outside, but I remember that inside was a can of Hershey syrup in the refrigerator, and I was compelled, like, drawn like a magnet to drink that Hershey syrup. And I would go outside and play, and then I would be back in that Hershey syrup. And somewhere along the line, one of my mother's friends saw me, and I felt such horrible shame she yelled at me, I think, and I said, oh, well, see, it's my brother did it, and I just wanted to see what it was like. Of course, my brother was too,
0: but uh, that started
1: me on my not only compulsive overeating, but lying about what I was eating, and then when I was six, my parents got divorced, and in those days, it was the every-other-weekend um, visitation at the father's house, and when I was seven, that started. My father married a woman who's a schizophrenic, since been diagnosed, but In those days, it was just plain crazy. And today, it would be Child Protective Services, but in those days, it was just miserable. And for whatever reason, because I'm sure I was such a lovely child, she really had it in for me. She would think up things to just torture my life. And one of the things was that she would deny me food. That she, and really, seriously, like I would be starving, hungry, hunger pains, And she'd say, tell your mother we don't have enough money for food. And so I would go home and tell my mother the story. And, of course, you know, she didn't believe me or said I exaggerated, which I'm sure I exaggerated many things, but not that. And she said, you know, you have to go because I won't get my child support. So I endured this kind of starvation. Uh, A few years later, she devised a, um, a deal where I could earn food if I cleaned. She had chores for me, and I became very good at cleaning and changing linens and doing wash because there was a candy bar waiting for me when I was done. But this set up for me the Sunday night binge, that I would go to this weekend horrible beyond, and on Sunday nights I would come back to my mother's and I would just eat everything in sight. And this was very comforting to me. Like, as time went on, I started to look forward to Sunday nights. Like, I could endure this weekend horror because when I got home, it was all going to be there for me. And at 11, somebody interceded and I, I stopped having to go to these visitations, but my Sunday night binges continued. It was like Pavlovian, you know, Sunday night and I was in the food and it really worked for me. Like, it made me feel really good and comforted and happy. And my weight did not show up on my body till I was about 15. So this seemed like a very good solution. But the solution started getting bigger. It started to be like, well, how about Saturday? And how about if somebody pissed me off? And how about if I'm bored? And I really got in the food in a big way. And because I was an active kid, it didn't show up physically for a long time. I thought, this is the greatest thing. Like, you just eat whatever you want, and then you're happy. You forget that you're not happy. Of course, at 15, 16, when the weight started to go on, what, did I, you know, what was my solution, my new solution? Because now the solution that worked for me became the problem, dieting. And I went to a new school, and the really cool girls were all into diets and hair and makeup and stuff I was not into previously. But, you know, I'm a good people pleaser. So I went there, and I think that diets really ruined my life. From the age of about 16, there was not a day in my life where I wasn't on or off a diet. Where I didn't have a good day or a bad day. I, I tried absolutely everything. And as I got older and had more access and had more money, I tried bigger things. But in those high schooly days, it was, you know, the weekend diet and the starvation, making up diets. In fact, um, I was directed, I'll talk about this in a little bit, but I was directed to do a food history when I came back. This is my third time in OA. And when I would get, like, writer's block, I would Google, you know, fad diets of the 70s and bad <laughs> diets of the 80s. And I'm, you know what, some of it's really funny and some of it is really sad. So I started this dieting and, and, and exercising and, and starving and binging, and my weight would fluctuate, like, at that time, probably 20 pounds. But it was always a good day or a bad day, or I blew it, or here's the plan. I always had a plan. I love to, like, read the latest diet book while eating ice cream.
0: Because it would
1: have to be far enough away like Monday. But today's Saturday, I'm going to do the but Monday, and then I would make these grand proclamations like, I am never going to have that. I am from this point forward, and of course, you know, by Tuesday or Monday afternoon, party was over. So um, this went on forever. And um, my, when I graduated from college... I decided to move to New York uh, for three reasons. One, to get away from my family, and if you knew my family, you might not think it was a bad idea. Uh, two, to get away from a boyfriend. Big ditto on that. And three, because I was going to leave my compulsive overeating behind. I had a geographical cure in mind. I was going to move to New York, and nobody was going to know that I had a food problem. Because I, uh, my house was going to be pristine. There was going to be not one bad thing in my. I was going to walk. I ate water. It lasted about a day and a half, and I was back in the food. And I don't know how I heard of OA, but it had one thing really going for it. It was free,
0: or cheap, I
1: forget, but you know, a dollar or two dollars in the basket. And they also had a free diet, it was gray sheets. This is in the early 80s, and I was very happy to go to OA to get my diet, to listen to everybody talk, and I was very motivated. Like, that's good. I did never work a step. I never got a sponsor. I never did one thing, but I came to meetings pretty regularly because that was a booster shot that I needed, and I followed the gray sheet. And lo and behold, I lost weight. Like It was amazing. So I thought, this OA thing is fantastic. You know, you don't have to do anything, and it just works, and this is great. And I hung around for a while. You know, it worked for me, and I ended up moving back to L.A., and of course my thought was, I'll leave my compulsive overeating behind, because that's in New York. That's how I was, and now I've got it all figured out. I know how to eat. I know this reishi thing. Well, I moved back, and, of course, that didn't work. But I didn't think to go back to program. I went back. It's like I had no serenity, and I had no foundation. So I just started to eat and diet, and now I had more money, so I could do pills and shots and hypnosis and behavior modification and Diet clubs, and and, and I would go with my girlfriend. We'd go to behavior modification, then we'd go out and binge after. Like, oh, I don't know what I was thinking because I was thinking, and that was not what I was supposed to be doing. So this went on for a very long time. Um, My weight's now swung about 40 pounds. And while I was, you know, having, it's amazing to me that I, I accomplished anything. Because food and eating and dieting and binging and ex- this was the soundtrack that played in my head constantly. Constantly when I was awake, and sometimes even when I was sleeping, I would dream stuff. But I was always planning, and, and you know, it was sort of like I had two tracks of life. And the soundtrack of the food and all that behavior and craziness played alongside with graduating college and going to grad school and getting a job and getting married. Like, that all played, and I don't know how much of the time I was in a food fog some of the time I was in a food coma oh this reminds me of so once I went with my husband to a dinner um, it was some work associate meeting dinner I don't know because I was in a food fog and this woman was telling a story I guess and we got in the car afterwards the dinner was over and he said wasn't that the most interesting story this woman told I said I don't know what. I didn't hear anything he said no you did you, you were looking right at her you heard I said no I was having a conversation with the breadbasket and the thing is, you're nodding, and we laugh, because we know what it feels like to have a conversation with the breadbasket, but normal people out there, and they do exist. I, I happen to be very good friends with one. They don't know what that means. Like, well, what do you, do really understand. Well, we understand. So my son was about two and three, and I started to do behaviors, and I was still swinging up and down, you know, dieting and doing all the stuff that I just kept doing, expecting different results, And I started to elicit him in my food stuff. I started to say, you know, like with glee in my eye, I have a great idea. Why don't you and mommy go get pizza and ice cream? Like, there's an idea. And more horrifically, I think, I would very often, I couldn't wait for him to go to bed. Like, I just, could you just go to bed, please? Sometimes I would say it out loud. Like, I am done being a mom for today. Which meant... I want to be with my food. I want to sit on the couch and binge and space out. My husband worked a lot, especially in those years, and he was very often, like, late at work, and I felt very single parenty and very pissed. And I started to get scared, you know. Um, I started to get, like, this is, this is not okay. And I found my way back into the room. So this is round two of OA. And I went to... I went to program and I did it better this time. I got a sponsor. Actually, I got a lot of sponsors because I was sure that if you were my sponsor, I would do it right or if you, oh, her, oh, that's the ticket. Like, that's the thing. And I did some work. I don't know that I told the oh the truth, but I told some truth. I told more truth than I told before. I told some truth. I wrote a kind of a fourth step. Kind of. I left out, you know, you don't need to know that and, you know, what does that have to do with anything? But, I did do some stuff, so I, I showed up, I think I might have even had a service position, you know, I don't know. But um, I, I followed a food plan, and I had lots of sponsors, and I worked my program. And it worked for a little while, and I met this woman who was my last sponsor, who I just fell in love with. She was an old-timer. Or I say long-timer. She was an old woman who had been around for a long time. And I really liked her. Like, she was the mommy that I never had. And I really, really, really wanted to please her. And so I really started to work a program. Like, I even wanted to tell her all my stuff. And I wanted to do the fourth step. And I I really wanted her to do, to help me. And by, it's unbelievable to me that, that she ended up losing her abstinence and leaving program. And I could not get over that. I mean, she—the part of the reason I picked her was she had so many years, and she had such a strong program. So I decided the perfect sponsor for me would be me. I would be very lenient. I would allow myself to do whatever it was that I wanted to do. I would be very happy with myself as a sponsor, until I wasn't. And until I just, you know, it was so lenient, and I was binging. Oh, and, and this was the story I told myself. Because I had now lost all my weight, and I was kind of maintaining my weight. And I thought, you know, because my thinking is really screwed up. I don't want to be one of those people who never eat sugar. I mean, really. Don't you think I should be able to have a bite of dessert on a Saturday night? Don't you think I'd be able to share a dessert on a Saturday night? Don't you think I should be able to have a dessert on a Saturday night? Don't you think I should? How about Saturday? How about Friday? How about Sunday? I think the weekend for me started Friday afternoon. And then it was all weekends, all the time. So I left program, and I didn't leave quietly. I just thought about this the other day. I took all my books and all my literature and all my stuff, and I piled them up, and I took them to the Darby office when I knew it would be closed, and I piled them on the wall. Like, I'm done. This does not work for me. And I had a little more of a foundation, but you know what, that went away too, because it wasn't firm, so... In the beginning, you know, they say there's nothing worse than a belly full of food and a head full of program, but my head wasn't that full of program. It was a little bit. And so I would feel a little, maybe a little remorse more. But you know what? It took no time at all to gain all my weight back. And to kind of, it seemed like I was never in program before. Like I started again with the diets and the gym and the personal trainer. and the Like like it never happened. So um, that was my road time to second time around and what happened for me was I spent many years out and I I really am I'm not good with dates because I really my brain work it's like it's like that food fog you know I'm not quite sure but I sort of basically get the chronology and that's good enough but I was out for around eight years I want to say and life was good. You know, I was still dieting and not dieting, and everything was about that. You know, if I was invited to a wedding in two months, I could not buy a dress today because who knew what size I was going to be in two months. You know, I could, everything was around, well, I'll start my diet when I'm finished with a vacation. i will start, it was all about that. So fast forward to, like, October of 2008, and for whatever reason, it started pre-Halloween, I could not stop eating. This had never happened to me. I've eaten, and then I would go on a diet. I lost all control. I had two food groups, sugar and starch. And the starch could be sweet or it could be salty, but there was nary a vegetable or a fruit. Like, why would you bother with that when there's sugar and starch in the world? It started before Halloween, and I could not stop eating. And, and I kept thinking, what's bothering me? I'm happily married. My son's going gone to college. Yeehaw! Um, I have a business that is successful beyond my imagination. I have really good friends. Why can't I stop eating? But I couldn't. And every day I would wake up and I'd go, today's the day. And today was never the day. And then on, by Thursday, Friday, I'd go, okay, screw it. Monday will be the day. But I couldn't really, I couldn't stop. And I have a big open house every year. Um, I had it before I was married, so it's like uh, almost 30 years January 1st, big open house, over 100 people, and the deal is that we buy the food and people bring desserts. So you can only imagine, like, the eight-foot table of all this. So how could I start a diet on January 1st? I mean, really. January 2nd is going to be my day. And I made myself a deal, because I'm a big planner. You know, I would get the, like, planning book, and I would start, you know, today's the day, and... if I can't start my diet on January 2nd, my punishment is I have to go back to OA. <laughs> I, that's my punishment. And I told a friend who was in OA, she was back in OA since his left, but I told her this is my punishment and I want you to hold me to it. Like I, that, but I think I can do it. Like now, I've turned the page on the calendar. It's 2009. It's a new year. I got the planner and I would calculate, you know, if I lost two pounds a week starting now, you know, by... August 23rd, I will be thin. And I put that in there, in the calendar, like you're done, you know, insanity. So I wake up on January 2nd, and I was like, this is the day I'm going to exercise. And um, I'm going to drink eight glasses of water, and I'm going to have my meals, and I'm not going to touch any of that stuff. And by 4 o'clock, I was face first in the food. I just, and I was like, what the hell happened? I mean, really, it just... So on January 3rd of 2009, I took myself to a meeting and there was nobody there. But there was a sign on the door that said, this meeting has moved and we're now in the Darby office. And so normally I would just go, well, it wasn't meant to be, you know, but I went to the Darby office and I sat in the back with my coat and my tears and I listened and for whatever happened to me, My life changed. It took, you know, three times the charm. It took me three times to get it. And this time around, I really feel like I'm finally starting to get what program means to me. So the first thing I did was I found a sponsor. And I don't know how she came to be my sponsor, but she was very safe and very spiritual and very lovely, and I didn't feel judged. And I was willing and able to tell the truth. Because that's a big one for me. You know what? I don't want to tell me the truth. So when I would write my food down, you know, prior to program or in my first two incarnations in program, I would start making a list of what I ate. And then if I ate stuff that I didn't want to put on the list, I would just tear the list up and go, I'll do it again tomorrow. Like, I don't want to look at the fact that I'm not perfect or that I don't have control over it. And the truth is, I don't have control over it. And this time, I really get that. I also got for the first time that I need to take, that this is a we program. That in all the steps, actually there's in 10 of the 12 steps in all the traditions, it says we or our or ourselves. Well, that must mean that it's not about me and my way. You know what? I did the program, no program the first time. I did my program my way the second time. And unlike, you know, my way, it didn't work out like it did for Frank Sinatra. Um, And the third time, I was willing to do it somebody else's way. I was willing to say, you know what, if this means we, this means it's not my plan and it's not my idea. I'm willing to take direction. I'm willing to know that this woman really wants what's best for me and that she's sharing what she has. And I'm going to listen to her even if it doesn't make any sense or I don't really like it. And I'm willing to share with others. You know, there's somebody in program who says that the thing that binds us together in program is not our strengths but our weaknesses. And I love to hear other people who are struggling. I want to remember every day what it was like. And I'm willing to share that, too. You know, I don't feel judged at all. I have a food sponsor. She ate some funky thing. She said, don't judge me. I said, I really don't. Because I either ate it or thought about eating it or would have eaten if it was available on certain days. (laughs) So the truth is, you know what? We're all here. And I just started to hear things that the program said to me in a way that I never heard it before and I'm finally starting to get that you know what fills me up in my in my soul is not what I chew or swallow that the things that really really make me happy are not about food and it's about and food is not my problem and food is not my solution you know food's what I used because I had a problem If food wasn't available, I'd do something else. You know what? I'm a compulsive person. I'll go shopping. I had surgery last year, and, you know, food wasn't interesting to me, but Vicodin started to look very appealing.
0: (laughs) Like, I want
1: to use stuff, you know? And so food is not my problem. If I try to fix the food, I'm missing the whole point. My problem is my problem, and that's what I have to deal with so that food does not call to me. And I can honestly say in all Sincerity. that food does not call to me today. And when it does, which is so rare, I start to laugh like, oh, that's so funny. And I also know today that, the, that I need to use a tool and that the tools work 100% of the time. That if I feel like eating and I call a fellow, 100% of the time I get off the phone I don't want to eat. 100. I mean, I play poker. 100% is good odds. <laughs> You know, 100% of the time when I'm feeling funky and I start writing, 100% of the time by the time I figured out what it is. And food is not the answer. But I was willing to do it and the thing that really the big thing for me was that it's just for today. That I get myself in trouble by thinking about what happened and what's going to happen. If I can just stay here you know, somebody said to me once we were talking about their food says, you mean I can never have sugar? I said, I don't know. It's Tuesday. How can you possibly eat in Thursday? It's Tuesday. So let's do Tuesday, and we'll talk about Thursday when we get there. <laughs> like, how can I know that I can never or always or before or after? I have no idea. I'm starting to see, like, life is kind of like this sort of murally mosaic thing that's big, and I'm standing in front of a very little part of it, and I can't see it. And when I get some perspective, I think, oh, that's what that is, like I had no idea. I do not know. And if thinking could have made me well, I would be well. You know what? I'm smart. I'm resourceful. And the people I meet in this room are among the smartest people I know. It takes a very agile mind to be thinking about food and calculating and recalculating and living life, too. Like, this dual track is not for the, you know, not for the wusses. This is tough stuff. We're busy. And, you know, we're like mathematicians. Like, was that apple 100 calories or maybe it was 80? Because if it was 80, I could have this that's 70 and that would equal this and I'll take away. And, like, this is not for, for people who are dumb. But the answer to my problem today is not to figure it out and not to be smart. This is not an intellectual program. I have no idea how it works, and I'm okay with that. You know, when I was in it, I have no idea how most of it works, and I'm okay with that. But I know that it does work. I know that there is something at work in my life that's bigger than me because I could not be, be on a diet or maintain my weight or have the same size clothes in my closet. I could not. This is this is beyond my capabilities. So something's at work. And if I try to figure it out, I think for me, I miss the point. The point is to do today, to take direction. Some of the direction I might not like. You know, contrary action is a big thing. You know, I think, ah, do I want to go to the gym, really? I mean, I have so many things to do. You know what the answer is? Get in the car and go. That's the answer. It's like too much thinking. We're just too smart. So, um... I have a food. I want to talk a little bit about my program. I, I, um, oh, I have so many things I want to talk about. Here. And I thought 40 minutes. I'll never be able to do that. Um, just goes to show what I know. So I was directed to do this food history. And it was really long, and it was really exhaustive, and it was really exhausting, and it was really repetitious because that's my disease. Because I do the same things over and over, and I think this time somehow it will be different. And what I got to see after Googling all the diets and writing about the whole history of my eating and, and beyond that, it was whole ideas of what food was for me. What I did because of food or because I felt fat and what I didn't do. You know, what I missed out on because, ugh, oh, I don't have anything to wear and I'm so fat, I'm not going. You know, sitting, seeing the world, I would walk into a room and I would think, am I the fattest person here? And then I would scope out, like, who's fatter? Who can I stand near? You know, how, I have to be in this picture. How can I maneuver myself in the back row? I'm not the tallest person, but... I want to stand to the side and put my purse on. Like this was my whole thought process. And this came out in my history. Like there's been a lot of time and energy and effort spent on this stuff. And it doesn't work. And more energy and effort and thinking about it is not going to make it work better. Once I saw that, if I have a thought, and I really don't today, but if I have a thought like maybe I'd have that, All I have to think about is 23 pages of a food history. And I think, what, am I really insane? Why would this time be different? And then I can use a tool. Um, Something that really helped me, which I had no idea about, When I got to step, I like step 10. I like that looking back. I like the today. Then I was getting to step 11. I was like, step 11? I mean, I don't know. I guess prayer and meditation will make me holier and better a person. I don't really get it. But, you know, I was directed to not try to get it, just to do it. And I so I got this timer at my sponsor's direction, and I set it for a minute. And I thought I was going to go out of my mind. A minute sitting quietly was it was beyond my. It was horrible. It was like I was very busy, and I I can't do this. And but the deal was that I had to sit still for a minute, and it was really excruciating. Until the minute, and it took a long time, like weeks and weeks of this minute. Like oh. I have to do this because I have to tell her how my experience was with my minute. It's horrible, and I don't get it, and I don't know how this is, what does this have to do with really? And then the minute got easier, and then it was two minutes, and five minutes, and ten minutes. And here's what I learned about step 11, which, I, which blows my mind. Step 11 and sitting in meditation, which I'm even hesitant to say the word meditation. It sounds much more spiritual than I am. So it's quiet time.
0: Mm-hmm
1: taught me how to sit it's like an adult time out it taught me how to sit quietly through uncomfortable feelings it taught me how to sit still when loose ends are not tied up it also taught me how to sit in a Mexican restaurant when the chips are served
0: I know how to sit I know how
1: to sit when the bread comes because that's not my food and step 11 has been the most awesome thing that I thought I don't get it and I don't want to do it So yet again, you know, this is an example of me not understanding it, and it doesn't matter that I understand it. So I have a food plan. I did my food history, and I was able to really identify my alcoholic foods. And I was afraid. Like, you mean, like, I'm never going to be able to have that? But I don't know if never. I don't even know today never. I just know for today, these are the foods that cause chatter in my brain. And I can't afford that. You know, I don't want to eat something and then want another one. You know, I like an apple. I, I really like an apple, and no matter how, and sometimes I go crazy, like, oh my God, this is the greatest apple ever. I finish it. I don't want another apple. So this is a good food for me, but not so much with you know what I call them methadone foods,
0: like foods
1: that approximate other foods. They're not quite as bad, but it's not real food. I learned how to eat real. Guess what? Fruits and vegetables are awesome. Like, you know, you feel really good about, I feel like I can, so my my abstinence does not include these alcoholic foods, which I was willing to identify with the caveat that I could change my mind if I needed to, because that always never thing, you know, freaks me out. I eat a plate of food three times a day, and I have a piece of fruit between lunch and dinner. This one plate of food thing has saved my soul. It has saved my life. Because the chips from the Mexican restaurant do not fit on the plate. The plate's coming. The bread doesn't fit on the plate. Dessert doesn't fit on the plate. Because the plate's going to come. And I'm done. I order the best I can, but I can go on vacation. I've been on cruises. I've been on vacations. I've been on weddings or mitzvahs. I've been... uh, It doesn't freak me out. Because wherever I am in the whole world, I can get a plate of food. And whatever it is, I get to get up from the plate of food and be done. And it doesn't matter what I feel. You know, hungry, full. I don't even know what that means. Everything feels like hungry. Because I screwed myself up for decades and decades and decades. So when I have a feeling, it feels like hungry. This is not real. I'm not hungry. I ate enough food. I have not missed a meal. You know, but a plate of food works for me. And then if it's, if I'm starting to still feel like, oh, you know, dinner's over and I want to weep, I better do something. I better get on the phone. I better call somebody. I better do some service. It doesn't have to be OA service. I can be of service to the people around me. You know, I count everything as service because I don't really want to do service. I want to take care of me. But when I do service, and it doesn't matter what it is, I feel so much better. Like, this is counterintuitive. You know, I thought being happy meant Doing stuff for me to make life a blast. Instead of doing something for you and feeling really good about it and not having any expectations of what you're gonna what you know you're gonna give back to me, you know, I don't have to be the person anymore who makes jokes. I always used to make jokes about being fat and food because I'm gonna get I'm gonna get me before you get me. So if somebody would say, you know, oh I'm so hungry, I'd say, Hungry? I haven't been hungry since nineteen seventy six. Like this was a joke. But the truth is, I often think I'm hungry, but I'm not hungry. It's not real. It's just my feelings. And my feelings pass. You know what? I think if I have a feeling, that's going to be my feeling, but I am learning that another feeling is just on the way. It's coming right behind this feeling that I have. So, um, my husband says, and you know, he he is, is hmm, should I say this on tape? He's one of us without a program. And that's, I've been able to separate out that. But he'll say to me, you know, and he'll say to everybody who will listen, Kim is the happiest person I know. And I think, you know, that is awesome. Because, first of all, he knows me better than anybody because we spend a lot of time together. I'm married 25 years. But the truth is I wasn't happy. I was not a happy person. I was quite a miserable, sarcastic kind of unhappy person. And now I just see, I really see good, like, this is a miracle. You know, people always say you come for the, for the vanity and you stay for the sanity. And that we have so many cheesy sayings, and some of them are so great. This is my current favorite is don't tease the disease. I like that. It's cheesy. But you know what? Why would I want to go there if it's going to cause my head to spin? So for today, I'm willing to do my program looks like... Um, I bookend my life with my program. I start in the morning by reading a little meditation book, and I do my writing, and I call my sponsor early in the morning, and then I take my sponsee calls. And at night, I do a written tenth step, and I email it to my sponsor, and that's my bookend. Every day, I read a page of the big book. With my sponsees, I read a page of the big book, so it ends up to be a lot of pages, but um, I write for at least five minutes, but my, my commitment is to write for five minutes. And this discipline of just five minutes has filtered out into discipline and other things that I am not a disciplined person. I'm an all or none. I'm either exercising every day or you won't see me in that gym for six months. But writing every day is just a little bit enough to know, you know what, I just have to do a little. I just have to show up. And somebody said to me, you know, that's a lot. Like writing, reading, calling. Oh, I go to about four meetings a week. And I think, are you kidding? A lot. A lot with that chatter that was constantly in my head and the self-loathing that came right behind it. Oh, I mean, when I would eat something and then I would just feel so horrible and worthless and worthwhile, I I, I don't have to do that anymore. So is it a lot? So I have this sponsee that has left the program. Before she left, she said to me, you know what, this isn't for me. It's too much work and I don't want to do it. So I said, well, I can't make, you know, I can't tell you to do it. I mean, but let me ask you a question. Where are you going? She said, well, you know, maybe I'll go to Jenny Craig. I said, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But let me ask you another question. I want you to do something. I want you to read the promises before you go. Because I'm sure all those diet things work for, work for people. I know. They didn't work for me. I joined Weight Watchers seven times under seven different names, thinking this will be the time. I'll be, you know, a newcomer, and then they'll say, you're awesome. I'll say, yeah, I just started. And then I can be a leader. I could be in the magazine. You know what? These guys can work for me. But they work for somebody. But the promises, they don't even purport to to talk about those kinds of things and that's what I want. You know what? I want to intuitively know how to handle situations that used to baffle me. I want God doing for me what I could not do for myself. This is what I want. This is what's coming true. And so I pray for her. You know what I pray that she gets the clarity or whatever happens, but I don't it's not up to me anymore. It's not an ego trip. If she wants to work with me or she doesn't or she wants to be in program or she doesn't, I am here. I am here for the long haul. I am here one day at a time for the rest of my life, I hope, to save my soul. And thank you for letting me share.
0: I'm
1: supposed to take questions now. Yes. So you're asking when food stops calling me. It stops calling me when I stop answering. It stopped from day one because the food would call. I don't know the particular day, but I know that the answer today is no. I am willing to go to any lengths today, any length. I hear people say you have to go to only go to some lengths. I will do whatever it takes. I will make 42 calls if I need to. I will write pages and volumes. I will go to four meetings if I have to. I will do whatever it takes today to stay abstinent. That's the most important thing in my life. So I'm not sure when food stopped trying. But I just kept saying no. It's like somebody asking you on a date. If you say no long enough, they're gonna probably stop asking. Well, I asked, that's funny that you asked that. You asked how I get uh, got to forgiveness with my stepmother. I am working now on my third, fourth step since I've been in program, and that's starting to come up. I have no contact with her, but but so I, I'm, that's still a work in progress. I'm glad you asked that. You asked how my higher power, my relationship with my higher power changed. When I was in program the second time, I thought I had to have everything figured out. And I don't, I didn't grow up religious. As a matter of fact, my family thought that anybody who believed in God was a complete moron. And so the, part, the thing was, you know, make fun of those people. And, um, and so when I was in program the second time, I decided, you know, I have to make something my higher power. I'll make the group my higher power. I'll make the sunset my higher power. How about that tree over there will be my higher power. And when, when I came back, I realized, you know what, I don't have to know. The answer is I'm open. There is something at my life and work at work which I do not understand. And it's sort of like the Supreme Court definition of pornography. You know, I can't define it, but I know it when I see it.
0: And I know it when I
1: feel it. You know what? I feel like there's something. Or I'll say something and I'll think, who said that? That is not me. You know what? That is not the way I roll. But I'm, I'm a much nicer person. And, and I feel directed sometimes. So, um So the answer is, it's an evolution. And I am just open. I'm open to hearing people talk. I'm open to reading things. And and I'm just open and, you know, come and get me. Thank you for all those questions. Okay, my son, the question is, I'll start backwards because I might need you to help me remember. Um, My son is a normal eater. The interesting thing is he's in college and he was home this summer. And all of my binge foods miraculously showed up in my house. And what I realized is I used to go to the market when he was little and buy those foods because I liked them, and then I would say that they were for him, but I really ate them. And he learned to like them, but he can have a spoonful of something or a something of something. It's not a problem. My husband has his own path, and the only thing I can do is be a shining example of the 12-step program. And you know, it's attraction, not promotion. And sometimes I think, gee, I'm so attractive. Like, yeah. don't you want this? Like, And he always says to me, you're so happy. Or he's like that. You know, we were in New York recently, and I went to a couple of meetings in New York, and I said to him, do you care if I go? He's like, go. They're, they're, they make you so happy. So um, the answer is he has his path, and all I can do is be attractive. And um, this time around, I have been in program a little less than three years. I'm maintaining a 50-pound weight loss. And I count my abstinence. I don't count the, you know, but it. Uh, but I'm, I'm about a little less than three years out of relapse. I write and write and write and write. I write... And, you know, in the big book, there's... I used to think the big book was more mysterious than it is. But there's really... If you really read it closely, there's really guides to how to do things. How to pray for people. I mean, it's really interesting when you... For me, when I finally read it, like, with an eye towards... So, I really... Write and write and write. And pray and pray and pray. And, and I, I'm starting to, you know, everybody has their path. And the universe, I used to think that I was the center of the universe and people did things to me. And now I think that when people are ugly, it's because they're ugly inside. We don't treat people badly when we feel good about ourselves. So I can really pray for them. And, I, and also I can really keep my distance, you know, when I can. Because I don't need to volunteer for the toxic environment. But that still is a work in progress. I have some good ones that are coming up in this fourth step. (laughs) Okay, I'm trying to think of a succinct way to repeat the question, but it's sort of like...
0: What were you burying?
1: What was I burying that I used food? About everything. I mean, when I came into program, I thought I'm not a fearful person because I've done things that you would consider brave. But the truth is, you know, I can do the big things sometimes, but the little things knock me for a loop. Like, so I used food for everything, you know, it would take the edge off, a little coating. It didn't matter what, you know, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, happy, joyous. Bo- I mean, it didn't matter. I used food. And now what I think is, you know, the idea of things scare me more than the thing. And so when I really start to write, like, and I also had to learn that, you know, I am not unique. I haven't done anything different than I hear people, and that's why I love going to meetings. Because I hear my story every t- person who talks, I think, you know what, i thought that, I've done that, I've said that, I've been there. And I really got to think, you know what, I don't have anything that's so remarkable. So, you know what, it's just the idea of it. And, um, and, and not using the food has just been a great help in kind of uncovering, and thank you very much for letting me share. <laughs>